Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. Well, my name is Kyle Burkholder. I'm pastor here at Covenant Church and one of the uh, seven elders that has the great privilege of uh, serving this church, leading this church along our mission. And today, we are picking up, you're not going to believe this, we're picking up this series we're calling The Way. This is week 34. I got to be honest with you. I did not see this coming. When we, when we uh, decided to get into The Way, we said, let's just see how long it takes to walk with Jesus, like a three to five day walk. And it's taken us like 13 months. Um, so to celebrate, I wore a, a new shirt. I got a new shirt this week. I don't know if you like this shirt. I came, yeah, I'll take class. So I came in and uh, just felt pretty celebratory. This is the next to last week of the way. I, so you are excited now because that's why I'm excited. And I walk in and, and, yeah, and like the third person who sees this shirt this morning says, you kind of look like a strawberry. And I said, like an unripened strawberry. So yeah, okay. So from now on, you have to think what I think, because every time I see this new shirt that I really liked, I'm going to see an unripened strawberry, and I'm kind of feeling like maybe I should just wear it every week for the rest of time, just because that would be my new uniform and we'd all be having fun. Anyway, my point in this is, is this to say, uh, this is our next to last week of this series, and it's worth celebrating. We've been walking with Jesus for a while now, and it's been such a joy that last year in, in the middle of uh, really what felt like our world was sort of imploding with things happening around us, with COVID in full steam, all the different things that were happening, we said, let's just dial into Jesus. Let's go so intimately into his world and walk with him that we lose track of all the other stuff. And it's actually been a great joy as we've done this that I feel like I'm out of the loop of what's going on around us in some ways. And sometimes that feels like a victory in and of itself, that if we've dialed so directly into Jesus that I just don't actually care about some of the things I don't control. And so this week is our next to last week. We're actually going to pick the way up uh, next year once we get closer to Easter because Jesus is going to keep walking, so we might as well walk with him. But um, next week will be our last week, and we're going to do some other stuff for the rest of this year. So today, uh, we're going to lean into Luke 19, verse 1. We'll put it up on the screen. You can read it with me. Familiar story, but I think we're going to learn something. Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there. His name was Zacchaeus, the head tax man, and he was quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. And Jesus said, Today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. So we said the end is near of this sermon series. You know, we, we're excited. We're almost out of this and seeing what's next. The end is near, but the end is also near for Jesus. And that's why I think there's a neat little parallel here. 
Jesus is entering Jericho, which means he is days away from his crucifixion. Jerusalem is the next stop. This is the last stop on the way to arrest and crucifixion. And so as he enters Jericho in in this last scene before the cross, what dramatic scene do we get? We get the story of Zacchaeus. The the favorite children's story, the Sunday school go-to Zacchaeus, a wee little man was he. Everybody knows Zacchaeus because he's little. And we love to tell this story to children because children identify with Zacchaeus because children tend to be little. And they go, yeah, isn't it cool that this little guy climbed the tree and that Jesus thought enough of him to to find him? And Jesus looks for even the little guy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's an okay read of this. I think what we need to see more than than, than Zacchaeus' size is his reputation, though. I think he had to go in the tree because he was short, but that's not what's actually important about Zacchaeus. What's important is his reputation. It says in here he's the head tax man and quite rich. He's the head tax collector of that region. This is a big deal. He isn't unremarkable. He's not just some wee little man. He's unrespectable. He's reviled. He is the most hated man in town. So he's not short. He's actually the lowest of the low. And so when the lowest of the low climbs in the tree, something happens. He's collecting from Jews to feed the occupation. He's oppressing his own people. He's building his wealth by making Jews poor. And it all happens in Jericho. And that matters in a profound way. We're going to get to why it matters that it's in Jericho. But first, we'll start with the ending, with Zacchaeus. How should we make sense of this idea that this lowest of the low is welcomed by Jesus? I think it's important and maybe instructive for us to look at a different time that Jesus welcomed a tax collector. This isn't the only tax collector he's welcomed in and loved. Jesus once had a similar run-in with another. His name was Matthew. He was reviled by Jews, and yet Jesus saw something in him. I'm just going to read from Matthew 9. You can read this with me as well. It says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, whose house? Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, the righteous, the good people saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's one thing to read that scene. It's another thing to watch that scene. So Izzy, will you cue up the video and you guys watch the clip with me? We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours?
So that's from uh, the show The Chosen, which uh, by uh, my estimation is the greatest thing that's ever showed up on anybody's screen. Uh, I had enough people recommend it that I finally broke down and I said, oh, a Christian television show. And I watch it and my children will attest that I get about eight minutes into every episode before I'm just a weeping mess on the floor. Um, it is a beautiful representation of the Jesus that we've been following, of personality and of that wry smirk that he gives. He says, get used to different." They were going to dinner. Did you hear where they were going to dinner in the scene? Matthew's house. He says, I'm not welcome at dinner parties. He says, that's not a problem. We're going to go to your house. It's the only place he can go. So Jesus says, I'll go there with you. Jesus makes the outsider, the insider like that. Follow me. We're going to your house. So Matthew follows Jesus in a clever little nod. We don't know if this is what really happened, but he grabs the tablet from the tax collecting booth, and Jesus says, you might yet need that. Matthew is the Matthew of the Bible. The first book in the New Testament is the gospel of Matthew. It's the gospel of the tax collector. It's the gospel of the most hated man in town. The first thing we read when we flip into the New Testament is the first person account of the most hated man in town. Who does that? If I asked the most hated person in town to write the story of our church, the person who was opposed to our way, the person who didn't, you'd say, that's going to end really poorly. And Jesus goes, I'm, I don't do things the way you think I do things. So we come back to Zacchaeus. That is a helpful little moment to look and see how Matthew gets brought in, because that gives us some context of how Zacchaeus is getting addressed. He says, come down. Zacchaeus, we're going to your place. And people were indignant, just like Simon Peter, who leans into Jesus and goes, hey, I don't think you know what you're doing here. Do you know who this guy is? This is different. This isn't just some run-of-the-mill sinner. This isn't just some, some regular guy off the street. It's like when Peter was saying, you, you saved me from my sin, and I know we've been in darkness, and I know all that's true, but Matthew's not normal. He's not a normal sinner. Jesus, this is different. And Jesus says, get used to different. That's what's happening when he calls Zacchaeus out of the tree is all of the righteous people around him, all of the townspeople go, wait, him? You pick 
the tax collector in the tree? And Jesus says, get used to that. It's what we do. It fits with the Jesus we've been walking with. It fits with the Jesus. Let's just say there's three things he said that we'll put up on the screen that you can read. This is the Jesus we follow. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It is not healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus over and over and over prioritizes these people. He prioritized you and me when we were these people. And he invites us to follow him and we get to join in the company of saints even though we start our journey as sinners. Jesus calls the broken and the reviled, the down and out, even the tax collector. He is not out to just make them acceptable either. We go, oh, well, that's nice. He's polishing them up and making them acceptable. No. Jesus isn't just making lost people acceptable. He isn't polishing up broken people and mending them together with some duct tape and saying, this will be good enough. Now you're at least good enough. Jesus is calling these people into essential work. Jesus calls the lost and broken into crucial pieces of his redemption plan. Matthew, the tax collector, becomes Matthew, the gospel writer. Mary Magdalene, a common woman in a time where being a woman was no treat. Peter, the brash and impulsive fisherman. John and James, the brawlers, the fighters, the sons of thunder. John, who also wrote one of your gospels. Matthew, the most hated man in his town. This is essential for us to recognize who this Christ is that we follow. It's essential for us to remember over and over and over again that the people Jesus calls are not the righteous. He calls the broken. And he imputes righteousness to them. He's not picking the best behaved and the most beloved. Jesus is trying to show us something. All of this business about the kingdom, this new kingdom that he brings, he keeps talking about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. All these servant leader shenanigans and washing feet, all of this humble, subversive, radical talk, it's not just talk. Jesus is showing us that he means it. Every Zacchaeus pulled out of a tree is Jesus showing us that he means it. This is not just for show, it's like some of these people are worthy, or I'm going to show you that occasionally I pull someone out of the tree. This is Jesus saying, this is who I am, and this is what I do. And we struggle with this. To this day, we struggle with the idea that Jesus is seeking the lost and broken. We like that in our heads, but we don't like that in the world. That's hard for us. He came to seek and save the lost, to tend to the sick, to call sinners to himself, to show us that none are beyond redemption. I always ask people, and moments of these sermons have used this before, I said, think of the, the worst person you can think of on earth serial killer. Think of him. You can name him if you want. When I was growing up, Jeffrey Dahmer was the guy. There was the one that dressed up like a clown in the Midwest. There was, I mean, terrible things, awful things, horrific things. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to show us that none are beyond redemption, that no one is outside of his grasp, that no one is beyond his reach. And so as we try to think of who is allowed to be in this kingdom, what is this kingdom going to look like? We have to get comfortable with the fact that it's not going to look like Sunday church. It's going to look like all the places of the world, all the different people of the world coming together and Jesus saying, I got you and I got you and I got you. And yes, I know what you did, and I know what you're thinking, and I know who you are. Come with me. 
He's here to save corrupt officials and the church choir, the serial criminal and the self-righteous. Some of us say, man, that makes me pretty uncomfortable. What about my achievements? What about my efforts? What about all I've earned? What about this whole reap and then sow kind of thing? Like what you reap is what you sow, and I've tried to work really well, and so isn't that a thing? People say, it's just too radical. This is too radical. It's too countercultural. It's too counterintuitive. It's, it's too... This version of Jesus is just too different. That's why I love that line from the show, get used to different. Jesus says, are you uncomfortable? Now you can follow me. Does this make you a little uncomfortable? Good, you're right where I need you to be because it can't be based on your works and it can't be based on your holiness and your righteousness and all the things you've heard. It can't be based on this. Are you a little uncomfortable? Now you're ready. Follow me. So let's go back to Jericho. What makes Jericho special? Why does it matter that this is happening in Jericho? That Zacchaeus and Jericho is a thing. Little history lesson, a thousand years before Jesus walks into Jericho on his, on his road to Jerusalem, before Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree, there was another moment worth remembering. First, if we're going to figure that out, we have to remember what Jesus' name really was. So, so remember, the Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua, but then your New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greeks translated Yeshua to Jesus. And so when English picked up from Greek, we said, well, it sounds like Jesus. Okay, Jesus. So Yeshua became Jesus, became Jesus. So we called Yeshua Jesus. But if you call Jesus by his Hebrew name, his name is Yeshua. That's pretty easy. Yeshua, translated to English, is Joshua. So if we would have translated Jesus straight from Hebrew and skipped the Greek, we would call Jesus Joshua. Yeshua is Joshua. This gets interesting because a thousand years before our Yeshua, Jesus, walked into Jericho, a different Yeshua walked into Jericho. Another Yeshua, the one we call Joshua, did the exact same thing. You can go to your book of your Bible called Joshua. That's an easy one right there. That's free. Joshua leads God's army. They blow uh, ram's horn trumpets as they walk around the city of Jericho, and the walls crumble, and Israel takes Jericho, and this is the beginning of the claiming of the promised land. And the battles from there will confirm it, but this is sort of the beginning. It's the entrance of God's people saying, we are taking the promised land. Jericho is the entry point for the establishment of the kingdom of Israel. Why is that interesting? Well, when you read the story of Joshua, you see that the city was destroyed. You see that everyone in the city was destroyed except for one person and her family, Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute who helped the spies of Israel. So, so hear it this way. In the Old Testament, Jericho, the walls crumble and God's power is on radical display. Jericho is a bridge to God's promise being fulfilled for the kingdom of Israel. And Yeshua leads them into it. And the person we remember from that story, the one person highlighted in that story is a lowly prostitute. In the New Testament, Jericho, this is the last stop before the wall between God and man collapses, and Yeshua, Jesus, is the bridge to God's salvation promise to man being fulfilled. So Jesus is the true and better Joshua, and the person we remember in the New Testament story, the highlighted resident of Jericho the second time, is the lowly and reviled tax collector. This is stunning symmetry on display, that a thousand years separate two different Joshuas ushering in kingdoms. 
Jericho is the place where God's power is seen, where promises are kept, where the lost are found, to which we go, okay, that's kind of neat, but what do I do with that? That's great, but how do I apply that to 2021 Bowling Green? I love when you ask good questions. I love that. Zacchaeus and Rahab, Joshua and Jesus, what is it other than just another nice story? Here's what we do with it. Ask yourself how you see the world around you. If Jesus came to redeem us, which he did, and he came to deploy us, which he did, and if Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, then who is the Zacchaeus of your world? Who is the Zacchaeus of the Pharisee life that we sometimes find ourselves living? Who in your world is lost or reviled, is lowly or forgotten? Who is it in your world that you, man, I don't know if I could go to dinner with them. Or ask a different way, who would your friends be surprised to hear that you were seen at dinner with? That's what we do with this. We follow Jesus. We aim to walk as he walked, to love like he loved, to live like he lived. And so you, just like him, you are here to seek the lost and show them salvation. You are here to make outsiders into insiders. You are here to find the sick and point them to the healer. You are here to invite sinners into the redemptive story of Jesus. That's what you are here to do. That's why you're still here. And so when you live this out, you will get strange looks of disbelief. You will get murmurs of disdain on occasion, especially from Christians who've lost their way from the way. And you'll hear people say, how can you associate with them? You keep company with those people? And in those moments, my challenge to you is we seek the lost and the broken, as we look into the trees above the crowds for the people that no one else is seeing. When you hear the murmur, when you feel the eyes on you to smile, because we know it's different. We know we've been called into something different. We follow Jesus. And we're more than used to getting different in our lives, aren't we? In fact, we love different. And I think because we love different, because we were first loved by Jesus, because we were loved differently, we love differently. Because we've been poured into by him, we are able to pour out with him. So we love differently. And the scripture says the world will know us by our different sort of love. That we are going to be seen and known, that Christ will be known in our midst by our different sort of love, not the same cookie-cutter follow the numbers, check the box, religion. But they'll know us by our radical, inclusive love. So what are you called to do with this life? I think what this story is inviting us to do is to engage the calling that each and every one of us have, and it's going to be a different shade for all of us a different slice for all of us, a different person for all of us. It's going to look different for each and every one of us. But I truly believe that you are called to scan the trees above the, cl- uh, above the crowds, to welcome the outsider and the outcast into God's redemption story. That's our job as we walk through the world. 
If we're going to walk as Jesus walked, if we're going to do what he did and live him out, it requires us to get our eyes off the crowds and our eyes into the trees, into the alleys, and to go, who is it that's seeking him? And don't throw pearls before swine. Don't go and try to convert somebody who has no interest, who's hostile to your gospel. That's not necessarily it. But who's there? Who's in the tree? Who's making some effort and going, man, if I only knew? And allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into those places where your eyes go to the trees and away from the crowds and you begin to welcome outsiders and outcasts as insiders with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I pray that each and every one of us in this moment would have a picture a picture of uh, the people, the person, the, the one that you would have us engage. God, we know that you do the saving, that you do the drawing. Father, you are uh, salvation. That's not our job. But God, we do ask for clarity and understanding who it is that you've put in our path. Who is it that the world has overlooked? Who are the tax collectors in our city? that might be desperate for you if we would only engage. Father, remind us of the story of Zacchaeus as we go through our days to put our eyes up a little higher, to look around, look a little deeper. Remind us of the story of Matthew, Father, of the most hated man in town becoming the first pages of your story, your gospel Father, remind us that those, those Matthews and Zacchaeuses are all around us, that the Mary Magdalene's and the Rahabs are all around us, that you've called us in and you invited us to be part of your redemption story for others. So, Father, thank you for the incredible privilege of being part of your grace and your restoration of this place. God, give us courage when it seems like it's a one step too far. Give us endurance when it feels like it's a long road. More than anything, Father, give us you. We long for your presence, for our relationship with you to grow deeper as we stretch out further. We lift this prayer up in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. Hi again. Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon, every Sunday, in person or online. Thanks for listening.